It is the 200 level episode 289. Mike Carpenter in the basement on a rainy Tuesday evening, and now we are at that time of year where we are doing a three episodes per week clip. Why? Because I can't get enough of Illinois football, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. In fact, I got a very nice message on Twitter, a tweet, not a message, from Andrew Pritchard, and he is the one who runs Shambana Weather, which is a great local weather service that is more accurate than anything you're going to get from AccuWeather, Weather Underground, any of that. And he just sent a very nice tweet yesterday saying, you know, thanks for the content, and it's it's great to be able to consume your podcast and all the other Illini media out there. And I'm in the same boat as you, Andrew, because I am consuming every bit of content that I can get my hands on, every single bit of it. And what is our role in all of this? You know, the 200 level kind of started as not an afterthought, but I just wanted to stay fresh when 93.5 went down and or when my job ended there. But then as it grew, I realized that there's a niche that I can maybe fill here, and that is very much the fan perspective, hopefully somewhat even keeled, though God knows I get a little emotional sometimes. And I was super emotional on Saturday and then Sunday morning. You would have heard it in my voice. It, it was gone. And it was back enough to do a podcast on Sunday, but man, Saturday night it was rough. I was in rough shape on Sunday. I think the reason why I could trace back to when I went to my first Dave Matthews Band show last summer, post-COVID, there was all this excitement that had built up from thinking, I may never be able to do this again. And we knew we would at some day, but man, when you're living the summer of 2020 and most of the summer of 2021, it does feel kind of hopeless that you're going to be able to do these large-scale events again. But when you get back to it, the first Dave show last summer, the next day I woke up and I was spent. It wasn't just that we partied hard, and we certainly did. It was that all the endorphins were drained. I was emotionally spent. And a friend and I, we got ready for night two, and we still had a great time. But man, by the end of night two, we were just toast. Man, Sunday, I was toast all day. I mean, that was the kind of effect that that game had on me. And yeah, it was nine to six, and it was ugly in some ways, but in other ways, it was just one of the most beautiful experiences I've had watching sports. And with Illini football, that's few and far between. I hopped on with Lante at five o'clock this evening and had about a 30 minute conversation with him on 93.5. And, you know, I kind of viewed it in a way as, um, I don't know, sort of emotionally resetting before I did this podcast tonight. And what I'm going to do, YouTube, is get this microphone plugged back in. Hey, so many te technical issues to think about. I know that's great podcasting right there. But no, it did feel like kind of emotionally resetting with Lon and trying to really frame what Saturday meant. Here's one thing I think Saturday did for Lonai fans, and at least for me and YouTube live people, let me know if you feel the same way. I don't feel a whole lot of pressure going into Saturday. I realize it is a big game, but I do not feel a lot of pressure going into it. And... I think the Iowa win was more than just, okay, you beat a rival. I think the Iowa win was that you won a game that in years past you never would have. And even the statistics might have shown you you weren't supposed to win that game when you turned the ball over three times and darn near a fourth, right? But thank God that got called back. In fact, Bill Connolly, who does this sort of, uh, I think it's the S&P rankings, or he does something where he analyzes games after the fact. And he figures out what percentage chance did your team have to win that game? Illinois was at a 61% chance to win that game Saturday. And that sounds 
about right because most of the game it felt like we were the better team and yet there were just enough mistakes and things that happened that left it in doubt but you won it so what it did for me was one you slayed the Iowa Dragon a week after you slayed the Wisconsin Dragon and yeah I know we beat the Badgers in 2019 but that felt kind of fluky in its own way so you slayed two dragons in the last two weeks you slayed the dragon of primetime home game where we've seen so many disappointments in that stadium I mentioned Alon and I mentioned Sunday, the sort of nervous energy that I feel in that stadium when the lights are on and the moon is up. And man, it was like a full moon, basically. It was almost eerie. And thinking, man, I've seen so many bad things happen at this time of night. And it didn't. So it's pretty remarkable that everything that could have gone wrong almost did, but it didn't matter. Because we actually have a head ball coach that knows what he's doing. And now we have a team that's buying in. And now, maybe the most important part for longevity of a football program, you're starting to have a fan base buy in as well. I understand why there was only 44,000 and change, almost 45,000 there on Saturday. And it happened during some of the unfortunate plays where I turned to my dad and said, well, I get it because these are the kinds of moments that keep people away. They think it's going to inevitably happen, but even though they did, and this somehow makes it even better. Some of those moments happened, but it didn't cost you when in years past, it always did. So it was an exercising of demons in a lot of ways and setting up a game on Saturday that logic would tell me we are not going to win. Logic would tell me that, and yet, I just think we are. I just think we are, and we may not, but am I going to walk out if Illinois loses Saturday? Am I going to walk out with the same woe as me? There must be some sort of curse on this program mindset that I and many others have had before. I'm not. If we lose on Saturday, there's going to be plenty of good reasons why, but one of them isn't, oh, Illinois football is doomed to this fate forever. I have shaken myself of that. Maybe it's age. Maybe it's just this really conscious decision I've made that I'm not going to allow myself to go down that rabbit hole. But more than that, I think it's the belief that Bielema and this team have instilled in me, and I'm guessing a lot of you in the YouTube live feed and people listening at home, you might feel the same way as I do. And that's actually what I'll ask YouTube live, you, you people in there. And thank you for joining me on this Tuesday evening. I, I had the Yankees game on, but I think it was too much bandwidth. Kind of mess of the stream, so I got to watch that after this. Yeah, Illinois football taking precedence over Yankees playoff baseball. Why? Because the Yankees are in the playoffs every year. I know. <laughs> other, other fan bases are like, shut up, Carp. They are. So this, a 5-1 Illinois football team, that's the rarity factor. That's the excitement of something we don't get to experience very much. But YouTube Live people, chime in. Are you of the same mindset as I am now. Have you, in the last 18 games, sort of abandoned this notion that Illinois football is always doomed to sort of reset? I know that might be viewed as a premature thought to take because history would suggest that we've had success before but can't sustain it. And even though Bielema did it at Wisconsin, there's no guarantee he's going to keep it going here. That, that's all true in some way, and yet I can't shake the feeling Similar how on the week of the Wisconsin game, I couldn't shake the feeling we're going to win. Last week, I couldn't shake the feeling we're going to win. And a little bit of nervous energy creep back in, but not much. Not much. So now I'm thinking long term. And that nervous tick has yet to really creep into my brain. And I'm, I'm wondering, well, maybe I said Sunday's podcast, I called it turning point. Maybe that's what it is. For me, it felt like it. And on Saturday, when I get in the lots at 7, 
walk into the game at 10.30 for an 11 a.m. kick. I'm going to expect to win. I'm going to be feeling great. If they lose, hey, they're 5-2. and two. Bye week, get reset. One thing I want to say before I forget it, and I, I thought of this when I was talking to Lon today. Let's say they lose Saturday. Let's get the bad news out of the way. Let's say they lost on Saturday. I all but guarantee victory at Nebraska. So I really do think worst case scenario after the next two games, you're six and two coming back home for another two game stand. This team has shown enough mental resolve and mental fortitude and toughness overall that especially when healthier after the bye week, if push comes to shove and they need a win at Nebraska, they're going to get it. Now I'd prefer to be six and one and a chance to go seven and one at Nebraska, but Hey, push comes to shove, worst case scenario, you lose to Minnesota, you will beat Nebraska, guarantee it. So that's why I'm almost unencumbered. I'm just going into this weekend as happy and carefree as an Illini football fan could be when history would suggest carp, wear a cup, but I'm not feeling the need to. I'm not feeling the need to wear a cup despite uh, the many times in the past where it would have been helpful. We're going to get to the YouTube live feed here in a bit. I appreciate you guys rolling with me through some technical difficulties. This is what happens when you have so many platforms going. But thanks for joining me again on a Tuesday night. And for the listeners at home, you're probably wondering, what's Carp talking about with all these technical issues? It sounds good audio-wise. Hopefully it does for you. Before I get too far into this, i got to remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. These guys have been around for about 16 years, and for good reason. While other places have come and gone, DP Doe is still around. Why? Because they're really, really good at what they do, and the prices are still fantastic. For the amount of food you get from DP Doe, the prices are just excellent. And they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Go online to dpdoe.com. That's dpdoe.com. Also, Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior projects, these guys are expert craftsmen, the customer service, second to none. And they also get back to the community, so as a Champaign-Urbana townie myself, I appreciate that. Go online and get a free quote today at Rector Construction. That is is R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. All right. I also got to thank State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. We got our life, or not our life, I think I get that through school, but no, we did get our homeowners and auto bundle from State Farm, and the prices, as you would expect, are comparable and better than most other places, and the customer service was second to none, so that's our good friend Brian Hansen, great guy and someone you can trust with your insurance needs, brianismyguy.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, football campfires, s'mores, it's sweatshirt weather, and that also means it's about time to fire up your furnace, which is what we did. We called Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Matthew, the technician, came out. He made sure it was tip-top shape. We're set for the winter, and we already got our AC checkup for the spring setup. These guys are the good goods, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. This is their number. Listen close, 217-841-4728. That's 841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. What's great is I can vouch for all these places. You know, when you got sponsors, sometimes it sounds like lip service. Truly, if you can spare the time, if you need HVAC, Dogtown, if you need a Calzone, DP Doe, need insurance, Brian Hansen, if you need anything done for your home, that's Rector Construction. They're all the goods. I vouch for them. Carp stamp of approval. 
Got to thank Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network for partnering up with the 200 level. I got to thank you as well. I need to thank all of you. We were top 50 in the United States of America for basketball podcasts. Now, I know that sounds like, well, wait a second. You got to classify yourselves by certain things. One of ours is basketball. And what that tells me is Alani fans are really hungry for content. And the fact that you're listening to this humble little podcast where we show up on any chart is much appreciated. So thank you for that. I know from the numbers, that was, I think, our second best week ever. Our best week ever would have been the Big Ten tournament run for Illinois basketball. And that was when we did boom, boom, boom. Podcast after podcast after podcast. But there are a couple individual episodes last week that topped any of those. The one with Jeremy on Wednesday was, I think, our third or fourth highest listened to podcast of all time. If I were to go back and see, and I'll check that sometime, I'm guessing the number one pod, the one that put us on the map, when Io made the buzzer beater, or close to a buzzer beater at Michigan. That was the turning point, and one of, I keep saying turning point, one of the early examples of us doing that second half reaction pod. So it was a big week for us. I anticipate that will only continue with this team and the excitement around it. And it's fun. Business is booming. Business is good. And I want as many people on this train as possible. Not the 200-level train, though that's great. I want as many people on the Illinois football train as possible. And I do think that folks will come out of the word work. I think this the $24 ticket special they have, love that they're really being aggressive for a homecoming weekend that I think, I said sellout last night, and that might be bold. However. A sellout would include all those kind of crappy seats under the east balcony. They don't really need to sell that. You can get 52,000 in there and make it feel big because 45,000 almost is what they had Saturday, and that was a loud crowd. You know, it's really just the corners in the east balcony. You fill those in a little bit. The west side looks like they've sold it out. I think the west side is sold out. The horseshoe, I don't think it'll be sold out, but it doesn't take much for the horseshoe to look good. It's really just that southeast corner in the main and the balcony. So we'll see. But uh, overall, I'm optimistic you'll get 50,000 plus. All right, let's go to the YouTube live chat feed here. This is from Bobo. I've been hyped up about this team since game one, and I know people have doubted them all season, and after every week they've been wrong so far. Now they're buying in. I wonder that, Bobo. That's why I think the Iowa game was crucial. You always want the reinforcement that what you've seen is, in fact, true. And even though you were 4-1 after Wisconsin, I think people still wanted to see it one more time against Iowa, and that you delivered it to people in a very different package that you won that game and showed that you can win a lot of different ways. I had a moment of clarity today. It kind of blew my mind. I just looked at the schedule so far and the results. And when you see on paper the points scored by the opposing team, and there's that 23 that Indiana scored that, of course, it sticks out like a sore thumb. But then you see three and six and six and three. Threes and sixes. And a a zero, right? You had the zero against Chattanooga. It's it's the stuff that elite teams do. Now, this team is flawed, but I'm not just going to call them good anymore. When you have a defense that good and an offense that can move the ball, I'm not just going to stick with the word good. I'm going to say at least very good. We'll see about elite all around, but I do think with the schedule, the way this defense is playing and the way you run the ball, the floor is just immensely higher. That's why Saturday, and we'll get into it today, and also with Trevor Belise on Thursday. Trevor's going to join me. I, I think that 
you can win the game on Saturday with or without Tommy DeVito. And I know Vegas doesn't agree, but I don't know, man. I've bought in, and Bobo, I think you're right. I think other people have too. Okay, this is from Joseph. I feel content because for once, my optimism about the football team is actually starting to pan out. Joseph, I was optimistic going into this season, though um, I was tempering my expectations a little bit. Uh, in a way, I was hedging my bets. I said 7-5, and five, but I acknowledged on some of those early podcasts that the 7-5 and five was an optimistic prediction and it was my best case scenario. That was me hedging my bets. So if they went 5-7, and seven, I could say, well, hey, I said if everything worked out, they'd go 7-5. and five. Well, now you're at a position where if everything works out, <laughs> you know, we assume a loss to Michigan, right? But also at the beginning of the year, we assumed losses to the likes of Michigan State. At least I did. Or Wisconsin. At least I did. And Wisconsin you beat. And I got to think you're going to beat Michigan State because they just stink. I mean, it's, it's such an advantageous and fun position to be in where each and every week you go into it and you think we got the better staff. I really do think that. I think that this week against Minnesota that has a solid staff. I might even think it going in the Michigan game. But we'll see when we get there. I don't want to cross too many bridges because we got a big game on Saturday, and we'll talk about that. But, Joseph, it does feel like it is panning out, and that's why, I don't know validation is the right word, but relief for sure that finally our optimism is being matched by the performance. This is from Bobo. Bobo, you're such a – thank you for coming to all these, basically, Bobo. And a lot of you, I see these names every week, so I appreciate it. Bobo says, the best Illinois basketball game I've been to was Illinois – Iowa, March 2020. That was fun, wasn't it? God dang. And for football, it was this past Saturday against Iowa. Crowds at both games were insane and loved it. From the West Main on Saturday, Bobo, upon reflection, that was a great crowd for what it was. And here's the thing. The numbers, if you would have told him beforehand, hey, we're getting 45,000, he may have been kind of ticked and thought, well, why not more? But the performance of that crowd, I think, was probably reassuring to a guy that wants to... I think in his heart of hearts, know that the fan base would have his back. With the performance of the fan base on Saturday, I mean, God, the roar. I wish I, I wish I had video, and I was so close to taking it because it, I think it was a third and long for Iowa, and it felt like, man, if we stop, get this stop here, it's, it's clinched. The Matthew Bailey interception. I remember right after that happened, I thought, darn it, I was about to videotape that play, and I would have loved to have done that to get the uh, capture the crowd roar at that moment, and I didn't. Whoops. If anyone out there has one, I, I wish there were more crowd reaction videos, but I think everyone was so damn nervous that you almost didn't want to take one for fear of jinxing what otherwise would be a good result. And, and I finally did. I, I got video during the crazy lateral play just so I could see the reaction of the sideline, but by that point, it was a big exhale, and uh, I know there were moments where the crowd was insanely insanely loud. We're also going to get into a quote from Bielema about Barry Hauser and the band and the student section and the impact that North End Zone is having, which I thought was pretty cool. Let's see. From Billy, amazing what can happen with a good AD, with good AD support and good coaching. No doubt, Billy, that the AD support is one reason you got Bielema in here in the first place and that I'm confident you'll keep him. And also the same can be said for some of your staff. I think Walter's you know, Colorado may go after him, and the way that his defense is performing, they should. 
but I also wouldn't be surprised if we ante up and keep him for another year or two. I mean, that's the kind of performance that Josh Whitman's done with these revenue programs. He is giving the money and resources to his head coaches. Bobo says the spread is up to Minnesota minus six and a half after opening minus three and a half. Vegas must know that DeVito wasn't playing Saturday. I wonder that, Bobo, but I don't know if they would know that for sure. It's puzzling because I guess on Monday morning quarterback, let's see, I about said I about said Tepper, Lou Tepper. What am I talking about? Lauren Tate and Brian Barnhart were talking, and one or the other saw Tommy DeVito after the game at the DeVito tailgate, which was in lot 31. They saw him walking around fine, apparently. Today, a lot of the quotes from Bielma seem to suggest that Tommy DeVito is not going to play. But could it be gamesmanship? I'm going to assume that Sitkowski is starting. And if so, bummer, because I'd love to see DeVito out there. I love Tommy DeVito as a quarterback. But I think you can still win with Sitkowski. I really do, and we'll get more into that as well. What else do we have here in the thread? Hmm. Alana Brickroll. I don't know. I just don't know what will happen now with the DeVito injury. I know the defense can keep us in, but can the offense score enough? Here's where I'm at with that, Alani Brick girl. I think that the Iowa defense was, in fact, elite. That Art Sitkowski, part of the reason he made those mistakes was that Iowa is just that good, and they are attuned to getting the ball out of the opposing team's hands. They were really good at that, and that was no exception on Saturday. We were just lucky enough that Sitkowski's elbow was on the ground. I do think with an extra week of preparation that Sikowski can have a game plan where you're really just asking him to go vertical a few times. And he can go vertical. He's got poise in the pocket, and he's got a big arm. And worst case, you overthrow it, right, Art? Don't underthrow it, but if you overthrow it, that's okay. He made a couple downfield throws against Iowa. I think you were still moving the ball against Iowa. I don't buy the Minnesota defense like the Iowa defense, which leads me to think I think you can get 20 points even with Sikowski in there. Not some sort of elite thing going on with Minnesota. So when Vegas says something like this, they're expecting major attrition from the defense. And I I just don't know if that's the case. I really got to see our defense fumble before I would think that they aren't capable of holding Minnesota to 10 points. Purdue did it. And I know that Mo Ibrahim was out. That's a huge factor. However, you've played good running backs before this season. What well, Wisconsin, at least. You know, Braylon Allen is a proven commodity. Is he as good as Mo Ibrahim? No, he's not. But I still think the run defense can be dominant enough to keep Mo Ibrahim relatively in check, at least to what he's normally accustomed to getting on the ground. And if so, the game is in Tanner Morgan's hands against our secondary. I like our secondary in that matchup, especially when Minnesota, at least in my mind, does not really have a game-breaking wide receiver. You take those factors together, and I'm kind of giving away my prediction, which I'll I'll reserve for Thursday, but I think we can score. You know, last year, the Penn State game might be a bad example because you didn't score that much. You ran the ball, but you didn't score that much. But the defense was great, and I think you can do that again against Minnesota defensively. The Minnesota game last year, and I know Mo Ibrahim wasn't playing last year either. They had a decent running back who I think got his, but it didn't matter. You still just had a good defensive performance, and Brandon Peters made a few throws, but not a lot, and that was the Tony Peterson era. I do like Barry Lunny a heck of a lot more despite his miscues last week. Here's a factor as well. Josh McCray. Josh McCray tweeted something yesterday that looked all but saying, I'm back, and I know that it was played a little close to the vest today, and Bielema said day-to-day. Okay, maybe. Well, Josh McCray was dressed on Saturday, And it would not at all surprise me if he's playing on this Saturday. 
if that's the case, I think that two-headed monster, you know, the issue with running the ball a bunch is that when you get into third and shorts, the opposing team will sell out on it. Well, they could sell out on McCray and still not stop him. I think this is just a good, and the weather is going to be perfect for this. I think you just go out there and run the damn ball. And then occasionally, yeah, Sikowski on a first down when Minnesota's least expecting it, you got to let him go down the field a bit. And that might mean an interception or two. And hopefully you can overcome that. But I think the recipe's there. I really do. And am I trying to talk myself into it? No. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that I don't buy Minnesota as anything more than, okay, pretty good, right? Seven win team. I buy them for that. And I know they're four and one right now, but seven and five, eight and four, I don't buy them as an elite team. And they maybe they proved me wrong, but their schedule has not exactly proven anything yet. And in fact, the one decent team they played, Purdue, they lost at home 20 to 10. Did they have Ibrahim? No. But when you have a Tanner Morgan against a not so great Purdue defense and you score 10 points, that's a little bit underwhelming. So I, I think that you're better than Purdue. You're at home. That game was up in Minnesota when Purdue scored them, outscored them 20 to 10. I don't think I'm trying to talk myself into this. Just like the Wisconsin week, you know, it's really weird. Just like the Wisconsin week, I kept trying to honestly talk myself out of it and say, Carp, you're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Think logically here. This may have some you know, negative parts of this matchup, but I'm having a really hard time finding it. And the things that I know Minnesota's good at, I just think we're better at. Except... Tanner Morgan is probably a better quarterback than Art Sikowski. If you told me, for example, that Art Sikowski's starting and you could just flip those two quarterbacks, of course, I'm taking Tanner Morgan-led Illinois over Sitkowski-led Minnesota. The quarterback can make that big of a difference. However, I don't buy the notion that Art Sitkowski is such a detriment that it's an automatic loss. And it's kind of interesting to peruse some message boards. Man, when DeVito went down, my dad and I each looked at each other like, oh man, that, that sucks. Like, that's... This is going to be tough. But we didn't leave the game, and I know no one did. I'm not trying to make a straw man argument here. We didn't leave the game and say, oh, we're screwed. I would have felt pretty bad if Iowa was leading at half with a field goal because they were this close to doing that, right? And that would have been a huge difference, but they didn't. But I feel the same going into this Saturday. For some reason, I just think this team finds a path to get the win in front of what will be an awesome homecoming crowd on an absolutely beautiful day. And it just seems like, man, the vibes are good, and I think it's going to carry down to these guys. I have no reason not to. Sitkowski or DeVito, I still feel really good. This is from Alec. I'm not really worried about Morgan beating you. And you mentioned Purdue holding them to 10 points. Yes. Joseph says, the only thing I'm worried about is the secondary with Taz missing. You would assume he's not going to play because Nicholson did have a concussion. He was puking on the sidelines, apparently. Joseph continues, Terrell Jennings worries me. He played well against Iowa, but who are their wide receivers? That's the thing, Joseph. Not that Iowa's wide receivers are game breakers, but I don't think Minnesota's are either, and I do trust this scheme. It's weird how it's seemingly anytime you just plug somebody in, Kirby Joseph being an extreme example last year, they work in that secondary. It just works. So I really do think that Jennings will be fine. And they will certainly try to attack him because they aren't going to attack Witherspoon. So how do you overcome that? Do you kind of help out on that side with Sidney Brown maybe kind of you know inching that way a little bit? I'm not sure, but uh, I trust Ryan Walters. If he feels like Jennings is a liability or that you need to help him out, protect him a little bit, then he'll find some way to do that. 
This is from Bobo. Now, based on rankings, let's see here. Minnesota does have a top five defense. But looking at the schedule, the best team they played is Purdue and no one else. Bobo, their schedule includes, I think, New Mexico, Western Illinois. I forget the third team. San Diego State, I'm not sure. But three teams that were really bad. Wyoming's probably better than any team on their non-conference schedule. Colorado, thank you. Colorado's it, and they stink. They stink. I actually would say that Wyoming would probably beat Colorado. And look at Wyoming, winning games now. Not to say Wyoming's great, but just to say their non-conference stinks. And yeah, Virginia, not much to write home about either. Virginia's better than Colorado, and he smoked them. They smoked Colorado. They smoked Western Illinois. They smoked uh, the first one that I mentioned, New Mexico. But the minute that they played a decent Purdue team, lost. And I think that says a lot. And a bye week is good for them. But I I kind of like just lining it back up if you're Illinois. The momentum's there. Just line it back up. And the bye week comes at a perfect time after this Minnesota game. Because I wouldn't feel good about any game that would come the week after homecoming whether or not you beat or lost to Minnesota, I do think this bye week is perfectly placed. For me, I'm not expecting style points on Saturday. I'm expecting one more gritty effort, which leads to a win. And whether that's 23 to 20, or maybe I'll say 17 to 14, 17 to 13, I just feel like there are plenty of paths to that final result. And that most paths to a Minnesota victory are assuming two things. That Tanner Morgan can have a lot of success against this defense. And two, that you just aren't going to score on Minnesota. And Art Sikowski, I think, is capable of getting you a touchdown drive or two. And that your running game can take care of a lot of things else. So, we'll see. The over-under, I'm guessing, is low. And I don't know if anyone in the chat thread can find that over-under for Saturday. All right, I wanted to hit up a few things here. Look at me taking notes. I kind of gave you the formula to winning without DeVito. That's what my next segment was. I I talked about last year's formula, kind of, in the Penn State and Minnesota games where your passing game was ineffective, but you were just able to run the ball and play defense. That can happen again. Art and Lunny getting a second week together. The return to McCray. Defense against strong running backs. Yeah, I hit all of that. How about that? I didn't even need my notes, but I had them here. The next thing I wanted to talk about were a few quotes from Bielema. And by the way... Minnesota's four wins, they outscored them 183 to 24. Impressive. The over-under is 39 and a half. I wouldn't touch that. I just see a 23 to 20 result as likely as a 17 to 14. It's it's tough. I think a lot of people hit the under, though. All right. Quotes from Brett Bielema today. I mentioned momentum and that I like that there's a game this weekend and that you aren't waiting. Even with the injuries, I like that. Just come on, line them up. Let's do it again. He says, winning affects everything. Winning affects your program. It affects your recruiting. It affects retainment of your own roster, which is a way you've never had to think about before. Now you've got good players when you're not winning. A year ago, I was worried guys might bail. They had trust and faith in us. Winning affects your athletic department. Winning affects your university. Winning affects your community. Winning affects TV ratings. Winning affects the media. You guys are always here, but right now, Brett more and I have to sort out every day what we're going to do and what we're not going to do because national media want attention. I'm guessing Brett Moore is their PR guy. There's so much positivity in winning, you can't put a quantitative dollar figure on it. I know Josh and his people will count what our ticket sales did and the revenue that brought in and the money that brought in. That's why Barry Hauser, to me, this is this quote I think is interesting, everybody. To me, Barry Hauser helped us win that game. 
We had an offense struggle to get a playoff and had some miscommunication backed up in his end zone. That was the student section and the band. That matters to me. I've been through this and uh, been through this enough to know that it matters. Just different things in our athletic department, people in our community. Winning helps everything go better. I want to ride this wave as long and as high as we possibly can because it will definitely help us in the future. I think the wave continues to the tune of an eight and four, nine and three season. Oddly enough, how eight and four means you're just going 500 in your last six games. But if that means a loss to Minnesota and Purdue and Michigan, but wins against Nebraska, Michigan State, and Northwestern, you still feel good. I don't know. I'm inching towards nine and three. This, of course, assuming DeVito comes back healthy and plays the rest of the year, even if it's after the bye week. Back to the Barry Hauser thing. This is an extended quote, and I noticed because my dad and I are on like the North 40 of the West Main. So we get a pretty good view and, and sound of what's going on in the student section. They were great. The band was great. This is from Brett Bielema. I might be the only head coach in the country that says this type of thing, but our Director of bands, Barry Hauser, gets it. I've never been around a guy. I had him speak to the team a year ago. It's when I first had the chance to be around him. What he pours into game day. We were kicking off and we had the choice of which direction. The wind was kind of a push. It was kind of equal distance both ways and swirling in both end zones. I literally thought to myself, where can we go? I thought it would be a final possession game. I told our coaches all week and I told our players. Nothing that happened on Saturday was a shock to them. We kind of talked about the way I thought this game would go. Of course, I was going to welcome the other way in a positive direction if it happened. I chose to kick towards State Farm Center so we knew if we were in a situation in the end of the game where we had to score, we would be down in our student section. On the flip side of it, if it was a backed up scenario, they would be in our student section. It literally affected our game because of our student section and our band. Barry obviously had direct control of the band. He was just awesome. He gets it. I don't know what value you're going to put on Barry Hauser and the band and the student section for that. The fact that Brett Bielma considered any of this and that it was part of his formula in figuring out, okay, what do we do with the coin toss? What side do we want? Talk about detail-oriented, thinking about everything. What also encourages me in that quote is the fact that mentally he had the team prepared for this absolute slugfest. And as he said, as I said last week, I would have welcomed a positive change where you would have won easily. And I think if DeVito's in that game, you win comfortably. Maybe not easily, but more comfortably. But the fact the team was mentally prepared for that. So in the fourth quarter, despite all the uncertainty and the tightness that I know as a fan I was feeling... It didn't appear as if the team was feeling that. They just continued to go out there and ball because they're like, all right, coach told us it would be like this. The preparation and these sorts of things to get a team ready for whatever the environment is. He was talking last week or before the Wisconsin game. I think about the color of the locker rooms in Wisconsin. And I don't know if they're pink like Iowa, but I think baby blue or something like that. And all these things. It, and it does matter. I'm not one necessarily that says you got to visualize it before you succeed, but sometimes it helps. Sometimes before a gig, and this is not to equate a gig to <laughs> playing in front of 45,000 people at a Power 5 university, you know, Big Ten football. And it's not to compare the two, but sometimes when you visualize it beforehand, it does make things a whole heck of a lot easier when you get there. Yeah, so the fact that Bielema is considering this stuff anyways, I just get a kick out of it. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Brett Bielema. Doggone it. I'm just... 
I'm such a fanboy about it. So those are just a couple of the quotes that I got about that, and I just thought they really stood out to me. Um, on DeVito and other injuries, this is what he said about that. Final point on the injury problem. Really, all the guys who are injured, I don't think any of them will be season-ending or anything along that line. I think we are fortunate this week with Minnesota to have the bye week coming out of it. The majority of those guys should all be back in time for a return after the bye week. I don't know how realistic it is for any of these four or five guys to project into being in this week's plan. Okay. That tells me no to veto. But again, gamesmanship. Expect Sitkowski, and then maybe we get a Willis-Reed situation where Tommy DeVito is under center. Wouldn't that be a lift? I think you can win either way. Yes, DeVito, I'd feel great. With DeVito, this is the crazy confidence I have right now. With DeVito, I think he'd win by 10 points, 13 points. With Sitkowski, you're going to have to inch it out. But I think between these two teams, who do I trust more to inch it out? I trust this Illinois team more than I do Minnesota. All right, there's one final thing I wanted to talk about today. And as Illinois starts winning games and we get into the discussions of turnout and getting fans back into the fold, there was something that happened last week. And I, I want to caution this conversation because anytime I talk about other Illini media figures, it can often be construed immediately as like picking a fight. For example, last year I criticized Kedrick Prince for tweeting out something saying, buy tickets, here's the number. And you might say, well, Carp, you're encouraging people to buy tickets, so aren't you a hypocrite? Fair point. I am not making any images on my PC paintbrush that give you the phone number to the ticket office. I'm not doing that. So um, that's where the line is kind of drawn, but you would have a point. But similarly, if I had a press credential, I would not do that. And that's really where, for me, a lot of these media discussions come to that line between, are you a commentator or are you a journalist? Now, someone who straddles that line is Robert Rosenthal, and he is also known as a lion eye, and he's the main guy over at Illini board now. Robert is sort of the Bill Simmons of Illini fandom in that he writes long-form articles, and they're very stream of consciousness, and they're great fodder for fans. So he's found this niche, and he's really good at it, and uh, one thing that it opened up a conversation in last week was kind of a gatekeeping situation. And what I mean by that is, okay, we want people here, right? I think we all agree we want more people. There was an article on Friday, though, that he wrote, Robert Rosenthal wrote, called It's About Us. And this was sort of a pay on to hardcore Lanai football fans, of which I am one, but at the same time, there's been plenty of times where I've said, I'm staying in the lot. Screw this. I'm not going in and certainly not going to travel to see this team. Well, Robert's one of those few that does. And in fact, the website that he has in his column, they even have merch. This is one of the 17. The idea being that there's only 17 Illini fans that actually like football more than basketball. And that may or may not be true, but the point is, fair because yes this is a basketball school despite the fun we're having though I think we're finding out both they can coexist and you can have just as much fun during a football season I gotta be honest I'm having I don't want to say more fun because this is such a rare thing but I am having a ton of fun right now anywho this article on Friday got controversial even my <laughs> Dave Wisnowski who you know me and him have not really seen eye to eye and don't really communicate too much anymore had a very critical thing to say about this this is a paragraph that I found that I kind of sums up the article Friday from Robert. And this is about the fan experience. This is about 
what the Iowa game meant to hardcore Illini fans. Here's a paragraph. Thing is, it's also the culmination of everything we've ever wanted. You wouldn't know this because you haven't been there, but while you've been putting on that, the way I view things has proven to be correct bumper sticker on your car, we've actually been attending road games. There was this entire legion of fans who never gave up. I wrote that, quote, you can't make us quit article more than eight years ago, and then I lived it out, Saturday after Saturday for the last eight years. I get it. Even the title makes you laugh. But this isn't about you anymore. From here forward, we're taking our fan base back. Again, he's lauding the hardcore part of the fan base, and I I get that. It resonates partly with me as well, though I'm not to that same degree. For me, at a certain point, I had to draw a line out of sort of self-preservation and decide when am I going to detach and just watch. And I watch these games. I'm not going to miss a game in terms of watching it, but I certainly picked to stay on the lot sometimes. But I think this paragraph and a few others, it got some people rubbed the wrong way. And Robert even recognized that Sunday in an article after the Iowa game. Because I think the reason why some people viewed it as, well, why, why are we doing this now? Is we're trying to get as many people into the fold, and yet this was somewhat saying, hey, you don't get to celebrate as hard as we do because we've been paying our dues. We, we earned this more than you did. Guy who didn't go into all the games or didn't travel to them. So I got a little bit of his article here on Sunday, and this is, I'll comment after this. This is directly from the article. And you can get these at alaniboard.com. Again, he writes a few each week. He's one of the more prolific guys that are out there. And I'm fanboy Carp. This guy's fan times a thousand. Sunday's article reads, When looking up at the Illini ranking on Twitter, I saw all kinds of media tweets hyping our ranking and talking about how long it's been. Man, I hate it. I mean, I love being ranked. I love seeing Illinois in the top 25. It's all I'll think about this week. The streak is finally over. National relevance. But I'm not interested in, hey, fans, your team is good. Click here, please. Subscribe. Click here. Illini football. Those people didn't live through what we lived through. And so they didn't get to come to the after party. This is a reward for us. I don't want to tweet about it. I don't even really want to write about it. I want to text about it. I'm going to pause there for a second. These people didn't live through what we lived through. That's a choice. I've talked about fan bases before and I think it's silly to think that any fan base has an obligation to go through the ringer the way that Illinois football fans have. They are a patient bunch, right? And he recognizes as much here. I mean, he's as patient as they come because he keeps going to these games. But I'm not going to shame anybody that checked out. I'm not. Um, I wish there were more people there Saturday. But I'm not going to say for the person that showed up for the first time Saturday that hasn't been there for five years hey, you don't get to enjoy this as much as me, pal, because I've been here in the lots and you haven't. I'm not going to do that. To me, that's where the gatekeeping begins, and I'm a little uncomfortable with that. And what is an otherwise super celebratory time, right? This article continues. Do you understand how warm my phone is right now? Do you understand how many people I've contacted personally in the last 12 hours? Can you even comprehend how many people I hugged last night? Get out of here with your Illini football is suddenly popular, monetize, monetize, monetize mentality. This is our moment, not yours. Reverence, please. I've talked before, fandom is a personal and a shared experience, right? I shared that experience with 45,000 other people and was not ranking the merit of one fan base over the other on how many games they've been to or how old they were or how many struggles they've seen. Um, 
I hugged my dad after the game. I didn't hug a lot of other people. High fives for sure. It was really cool to see the, you know, just the random fist in the air. Just everyone felt a weight off, but more than relief, it was joy, right? So I'm not going to read any more of that. I just find it puzzling that in a time like this, we would gatekeep. And whenever I get into discussions like this, people would say, well, Carpe, are you calling someone out? I'm not calling out the person. I'm calling out what I disagree with, right? Robert is really good at what he does, and I want to reinforce that. And it's good that we have content because I'm gobbling up every bit of content. But as the, I don't know, the other fan commentator guy, and one that doesn't get press credentials, right? You know, I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna straddle those lines because I've always felt kind of weird about that. Would never pretend to be an objective journalist, and I know he doesn't either. But I'm not going to be in the lot Saturday thinking, oh, <laughs> welcome to the lots, pal. Uh, nice to see you. He does say later in this article, hey, as many fans as you can, bring them on board. But I think the uh, it was kind of a weird point about monetize, monet- who's monetizing this? Uh, you know, what, Lanai Inquirer? I didn't see any deals they posted over the weekend. Or Lanai guys, are they doing, I don't know. Um, that's what they should be doing. You know, that's I, I want more listeners. I'm not monetizing off of them any more than the sponsors I already got. But yeah, I want more listeners. I want more people in the lots. I want more people in the stands. And one way that you're going to turn some of them off is this sort of ugh, stay away. I'll give you one final example. Sports and music are often, to me, interchangeable. The feelings you get after a big concert, similar after a big sporting event. Now, my wife has been nice enough to go to... She's been to like 10, 11, 12 Dave shows, I think. She's close to 10, if not already. And we t- talk and joke afterwards about these hardcore Dave fans, some of whom I can't stand because they will have these, hey, you ever seen Dave at the Gorge? No, I haven't spent $5,000 to go out to Seattle, Washington to see Dave at the Gorge. It's Labor Day weekend. I got other things to do, but I humor them and let them tell me how good the Gorge is. But I get why, for some casual Dave fans, it's a turnoff because there's a sense of, hey, you aren't in this club. What's your favorite Dave song? And then, my, you know, Kara would reply and they'd say, oh, hmm. See, similarly, when it comes to people finally coming back, I'm going to say, I don't care if you've been gone since the Rose Bowl year. Welcome. And I understand why they were gone. Um, for the few commentators there are, I just. I just think this should be a time of jubilation, man. I'm feeling great. And I know Robert is too. And again, I would, if I were to see him or meet him, I'd say the same things. Just say, hey, I appreciate what you're contributing because he's hitting an angle that a lot of people, that no one is. And have a, you'd have a hard time finding other universities that have their own Robert Rosenthal. So when you are unique at what you do and you provide content and prolifically provide content, He's written more words in the last month than I've probably written in my life, and I'm a writing teacher. So, I mean, that tells you a lot of what you need to know. He is a prolific individual. Um, but my key point is this. Welcome. Welcome. See you in Lot 31. Come say hi to the tailgate. I mean, and again, whether the, whether you got to dust off your Zook Zone towel from 2005 because it's been that long since you've been there, that's okay, man. That's okay. I do have a few uh, comments here on the YouTube live thing before I wrap this up. I just wanted to hit that up because I thought it was an interesting conversation. And again, please don't misconstrue this as um, it's not a media battle at all. He's He's got his thing. And he's got more, more people following him than following me. 
to be quite honest. So he's he's doing all right. This is from Bobo. He says, that came off bad. Now, I watch, listen to every game, but I can't go to maybe one or two games a year. Can't go to more than one or two games a year. Used to have season tickets, but due to work and family life, I can't. Now, I'd love to go to all games. Uh, this is... From Joseph, I don't like after a couple of weeks of success, there seems to be suddenly gatekeeping on who can and can't be an Illini fan. It can sour the success. And Joseph, that's the thing. None of what he wrote did I take personally. And I don't know who would, but I think the word sour is a good way to put it. It's just a a taste that I don't think we need to add to what is otherwise a, a very delicious stew of just joy. I mean, that's what we got right now. We have joy. And that's what I really want to focus in on. This is from Billy. I understand where he's coming from. I think I feel like I personally enjoy this run more because of the downtimes. I wouldn't hold that against someone else, though. And Billy, that's why a lot of what he wrote resonated with me because having been through the downtimes, too, the Iowa game was more than just a win. So it's weird. I read these articles, and I agree with most of it. But it's just the gatekeeping part, or what is at, at least seemingly gatekeeping. And Maybe Robert did not intend that at all, but I just thought it was an interesting conversation. And Keith says, I've been to DMB 13 times. Wish it was more. Keith, come to Deer Creek next year. Tailgate with us. We've been doing this since, well, we've been doing it 20 years. So the more the merrier. There's still a fantastic live band. That's all I got for this Tuesday night. We're going to be back Thursday, 5 o'clock, with Trevor Valise. He's going to pop in, excited uh, to talk with him, and we'll get Lon in at some point. I don't know if Isaac can because he is officially a DIA employee, so who knows, conflict of interest. But I know he'd only be saying good things about Illinois football, so that's good, right? Maybe they'd let him market it. But we'll kind of get people to trickle in here and, and talk with them. And... This is fun. I mean, I'm just loving this. It's so rare that I woke up this morning, I go to work, and I'm driving and just listening to another Illini Inquirer podcast. I'm cycling through any Illini thing I can get, sometimes listening to it twice and thinking, my God, how cool is it to be in mid-October where that you know the clouds are suddenly a little bit grayer and the leaves are starting to change and there's that brisk chill in the air. Oh, and our football team is good. You know, that that is so cool and why people love college football and why this is, I don't know, are you seeing a different side of CARP? You've seen this with me with the resurgence of Illini basketball. And as good as this is with Illinois football, yes, Illinois basketball means more to me. I'm Robert might be one of the 17 as the football over basketball. I'm one of the, you know, 250,000, whatever it is, because basketball is treated as well. They didn't for a decade, but now they are again. Well, football, not so. And now that this is happening, it's just making everything more fun. There's not an hour that's gone by. If I really think about it, there's not an hour that's gone by since the Wisconsin win where I haven't thought about the next game or the tailgate. What are we going to serve? What time should my dad and I go into the game? Post-game celebration, how cool would that be? Should I buy a cigar in case they win on Saturday? Bowl eligibility. What if they play in the Music City Bowl? I love Nashville. Hey, if it's Florida, I'm going to find a cheap airfare and go down. Even though I don't like flying, you bet your ass I'm flying to Florida for a bowl game. We're having these conversations. It's amazing. And for years where it was just go to the tailgate and whatever, well, now it's go to the tailgate and it's all enhanced. And that's really, I think, the word. The good times are just enhanced by what we're experiencing right now. And I'm just full of joy. I'm full of love. Like I texted or tweeted on Saturday, I'm so happy right now and I love all of you. And it is true. So before I get too 
touchy-feely on all of you. I'm going to end the podcast because it's getting a little bit out of hand, all this jubilation. You know, Bobo mentions the Big Ten Media Day was today, and I honestly didn't care. And me either, Bobo. I told that to Lon. How's this? The Yankees are in the playoffs, Big Ten basketball media days, and I'm thinking about Illinois football. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, before we get out of here, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. We have State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life Auto Home Business Renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. In Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, mention us and get 10% off your furnace check. Just give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. For Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate their partnership. I appreciate you, YouTube, going through some of those technical difficulties Thank you all for that. I appreciate all the listeners at home for making us a top 50 United States of America basketball podcast during football season, whatever that means. But I do know it means this much, at least. We're invested. We're back. uh, And it's fun. So we'll see you Thursday. Trevor Valise will be joining me. Can't wait to catch up with him. We will not do a Saturday post game because we got a huge homecoming crew coming in. And hopefully when I do on Sunday, I will have figured out what pace I need to be at Saturday so I don't feel like dog crap. Oh, my God. 35-year-old carp, figure it out, man. You've lost your touch here, so you're going to have to start, you know, easing up a bit. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you're enjoying this ride as much as I am. It is the 200 Level.